let me go back. Let me start kind of, you know, Barbecue Crashers, Daniel chapter 3. Where does the title come from? Well, here's what happened. About, about two Christmases ago, maybe three, we all ate together. It was on Christmas Day, and we invited Terry Linda Guest over with our family. And, of course, we're in-laws and outlaws and all that stuff. And so they were kind enough. Are you ready for this? Now, y'all know how tight Terry is. Y'all think I'm tight? He invented tight. Okay? All right. So, so they brought over filet mignons. I can't even say it or spell it, much less afford it. And so they brought over these, these filet mignons, and they were like, like about the size of a hockey puck. Okay? But they're like that thick. Now, I, I've cooked all my life, okay, on the grill. I mean, I started young cooking on the grill, so it's my job to cook. And because it was a little bit cool that day, I, I went and you know, had a nice hot fire, you know. So I put those puppies on there and, and spread them out there around, you know. And I went out there in a few minutes, and they looked like they were cooking pretty good. And so I flipped them over, okay. And they cooked a little bit longer, and I said, boy, they look awful done. I, I guess might as well just take them inside. And so we did. We took them inside, and there was the big spread for Christmas, you know, Christmas Day. It was really incredible. And, and, and then we cut into one of them. I knew I was in trouble when it went... Now, I like rare meat, but honey, I'm telling you, the middle of that steak had not seen heat all day long. It was raw inside. So, you know, some of us were going to tough it out, and, and Terry and Linda are not really raw meat eaters. And so, and so we decided we would nuke them, okay? So we put those things, or those theirs, in the microwave. And that day, you had a choice of beef on the hoof or hockey pucks. I mean, that, you talk about ruining meat. I ruined the meat that day. I don't know if they ever got theirs down or not. I'm serious. They, I had, maybe I had to go get my chainsaw from the garage for them to cut their steaks up. That's how tough it was that day. But you know, when the meat doesn't turn out right, it's not a very good barbecue, is it? It really isn't. And there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar who, if you will, had a barbecue, okay? And um, needless to say, his meat did not turn out very well that day. So you got your Bibles open to Daniel in chapter 3? Have you got them there? All right, very good, cool. Now, now let me say this. I want to tell you a story today, all right? I want to, I, I, I'm, I'm careful to say this is a story from God's Word because that means you got to get all the details right. And I promise you, I won't get all the details right. So I'll give you a paraphrase of the story of King Nebuchadnezzar's big barbecue that went south, all right? Now, one thing that's really important, I think, is this. Um, you know, if I pulled out a book something like this and I opened it up and I turned to the first page and I said something like this. Once upon a time, there were three Hebrew boys. And their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And story, 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 story. And they lived happily ever after. Does that sound a little familiar? We call those fairy tales. Now, the story that I'm about to tell you is so Powerful, so big, so unusual. It, listen, listen, now listen, it's very important. It would be very easy to say, that's a nice fairy tale. Now, because we're good bad this, we would never call the Word of God fairy tale, but we'd be very tempted to treat it like a fairy tale. A fairy tale gives you warm fuzzies, 
a fairy tale will cause you to go to the door and say, Brother Duane, that was a really nice story sermon today. Thank you for it today. I don't want that to happen. I want you to realize that what you're about to hear in my paraphrase and then through the Word of God is an authentic story from history. What you're about to hear to three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego really happened. And the decision and the stand, the fearless stand that they took that day in society is exactly what we are called upon to do and can do through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the story goes something like this. You kind of need to know that King Nebuchadnezzar runs over to Israel, okay, and, and sieges the city and goes in and plunders the temple and hauls off a bunch of the nobles and the really smart people in town, all right? He takes them back to Babylon, and four of those that we know very well from the Bible are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all right? So they get hauled off back to Babylon, and then King Nebuchadnezzar has a really troubling dream, and no one can interpret the dream but Daniel, So Daniel tells the interpretation of the dream, and Nebuchadnezzar is way impressed. He goes, boy, your God is great, and so are you. And he made Daniel a ruler in Babylon. Okay, a Jewish boy, a ruler in Babylon. Now, Daniel kind of washed out for his butts, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and suggested to King Nebuchadnezzar that they go ahead and he appoint them as rulers also in Babylon. And because King Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed, he said, well, that's exactly what we'll do. Well, in the next chapter, that was chapter 2, in chapter 3, then we have this thing. King Nebuchadnezzar got full of himself. Okay, maybe because of the dream, he, he makes a statue that is 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Now, most theologians believe that must include the base because that would be one skinny king with those dimensions, 9 feet wide. Nine, that would be a skinny king. So probably you had to add a base to it, okay? And so King Nebuchadnezzar would have been just a little bit wider than that, all right? And here's the deal. He says, okay, you, you, all you government officials, come here. All the people and all you political cronies, you've all got to bow down and worship the statue. So when you hear this music playing, all you've got to bow down and worship the statue. And that's what happened. And then the Bible says that there are certain guys who are probably jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go to Nebuchadnezzar and say, Nebuchadnezzar, you need to know something. Hey, Neb, you need to know something. You know, there were some guys, okay, there are certain Jews... And when you tooted the horn and you played the harp and all that, everybody bowed down. But they didn't. You know, these are rulers in your kingdom, you know. Don't you think the rulers ought to kind of do this? Woo! It fired Nebuchadnezzar up. He got into a fit rage. He, he pitched a hissy fit. A hissy fit. We do those down in south. So he commands that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come before him. He says, now listen, guys, you know, remember, I'm, I'm the king, and I'm the one who gave you your jobs. He said, is it true that you didn't bow down and worship the statue when you heard the, all the music? Is that really true? Maybe you didn't understand. I'm going to give you a second chance. And here's the second chance. I'm going to play the music again, all just for you. And all you have to do is bow down and worship the golden idol that I've made. And most theologians, again, believe it was an image of Nebuchadnezzar. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did an amazing thing. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, well, actually they said Nebuchadnezzar, they didn't even say king. Nebuchadnezzar, let me tell you something. We believe, 
Okay, now you threatened with a fiery furnace, and you, you said that there's probably not a God who can deliver us. We believe that our God is able to deliver us. And, and He will. But let me just tell you this. If He doesn't, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to worship your image or any other God. Now, let me tell you something. If King Nebuchadnezzar had a hissy fit the first time, he went into overdrive hissy fit. He got so mad, he fired up the furnace seven times. He was going to make the boys crispy critters. You know, have you ever had something flash fired? You know, flash fried? He's going to flash fry them, okay? So he heats up the furnace seven times. He gets his most valiant men... Okay, and they take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all dressed in their turbans and all of that, binds them up, takes them up, and throws them into the furnace. And the fire was so hot that the boys who threw them into the furnace died. Well, Nebuchadnezzar decides to check the chicken. So he opens the grill. He looks inside the furnace. Now, this thing was probably shaped like a milk bottle had a lower end to put the fire in, had a middle door where you could see inside of it where they would smell the things. He looks in there, and you know what he sees? He says, boys, come here. I told these little, all these officials, come. He said, guys, didn't, didn't we throw, you know, three guys in the furnace? He said, that's exactly right, King. You're right on target. You're always right, and you're right on this one. He says, well, let me tell you something. I don't see three people in there. I see four. And they're not bound they're free. And, and they're walking around and the fire has no effect on them. So he goes up to the mouth of the furnace as close as he dare and say, Hey, Shadrach! Hey, Meshach! Hey, Abednego! Come on out of there. So the boys come out and everybody gathers around them. You know, that's what you do when you have a barbecue. You get around the meat. And, and they got around there and the Bible says that all their clothes were intact. Brent, there wasn't... Well, this is probably not a good illustration for you. Not one hair was singed. <laughs> not one hair was singed. And they didn't even smell like smoke. And this just blew Nebuchadnezzar's mind. And he says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys defied my order." And their king delivered them. Isn't that a great story? But please understand, we don't take this book and say, you know, in the beginning or a long time ago, or in, a, in a kingdom far, far away. Dun, 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 dun. No. It's not, it's not from Hollywood. It is from the Word of God. Now, what I want to do is start now in chapter 3 of Daniel, and we're going to look at some of the verses. Some we can't, because it's 22 verses, we won't have time to go all through it. But I want you to get the big picture and this incredible story. And I encourage you to go home and read Daniel chapter 3 in its entirety from the Word of God. Don't accept my paraphrase, all right? But look what the Bible says. First off, I've got attention getting living. Attention getting living. I want to point out two verses in this. The first verse is verse number 8. Therefore, these are the bad guys, therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. Verse 12. 
There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, here's the key thought I want you to get. The key thought is this. Our lives, as we live them out in this world, should draw attention to God. We should live our lives in such a way, whether it be at church, whether it be at work, whether it be at school students, however it might be, we should live our lives in such a way that people notice there's something different about us. Now, here's what's hugely important. When I say attention, that can be a negative or a positive. We should reflect our God in a positive way in the community that we live. That means sometimes when you want to blow the horn, you don't. Sometimes when you have the opportunity to be rude, crude, and mean, you don't. You can always tell this. So, you know, every once in a while, if y'all will wake up, if y'all will walk up, excuse me, and smell my wife. Okay, don't smell my wife. Ask her. Ask her and say this. Judy, do you sometimes smell like Dwayne? And she'll say yes. You know why? Because I wear cologne. And often we embrace. We ain't got 63 years, but we got almost 36. And we embrace, and the aroma of my cologne stays on her. And if you were close enough to her, you would smell the aroma of Dwayne. And it depending on what cologne, it's pretty good cologne. You know, it could be polo, okay? One of those other ones, you know, it could smell good. But have you ever done this? Have you walked out in the yard before? And you weren't watching where you were stepping? You don't own a dog. But your neighbor does. And he thinks that your address is 217 West Bathroom. And you step in something and you don't know it. And you walk into your wife's house. And she goes, what have you stepped in? Can I have a witness? Now, is one pleasant? Yes. Is one unpleasant? Yes. God's Word says we should never be an unpleasant odor in this world. We should reflect the aroma of Jesus Christ in a positive way so the world says Jesus smells good. I'm telling you, our lives should be attention, living, getting. They should get attention and say, I want what you've. God. The second thing is this. Perhaps you didn't understand. These verses I won't go through one by one. Look at verse number 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Understand that before this happened, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a good standing with the king. Do you understand that? Say, I understand that. After this, he didn't. When they chose not to worship that God, friction developed. When you walk with God, you will probably have some friction with the world. Because Jesus always causes friction. Now, if you live a life and you never have friction, 
there's a strong possibility you're walking the same way as the world is walking. Now, that doesn't mean you're to be abrasive. I'm just saying, if all men speak well of you in this world, why is that? Have you become such a buddy, such a friend of the world, that there's very little Jesus evidence in you? Because Jesus will cause friction. And I'm going to say this. Sometimes, hey guys, sometimes that's true in the world. Sometimes it's true in church. You see, often in the church, well, I, I told this, I told this to a guy I was, I was sharing with down at the bed and breakfast. Jesus Christ would not get voted to be the pastor of most churches. You wouldn't want him as your pastor. He was too blunt. He was too honest. He was too straight. And frankly, the more a church tries to act like Jesus, the greater the possibility of friction in the church. You have people trying to be like Christ. You have people advancing their own agendas. And that causes friction. Nebuchadnezzar has friction with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they refuse to bend. They refuse to bow. And bless God, they refuse to burn. All right, look at verse number 14. Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? He said, Is it possible? Is it true that you've not? This is peer pressure. Let me word it a little ways for you. Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not know who gave you your job? You know the, the bass boat you bought? You know the truck that you own? You know the fact that you live in a really good address here in Harrisburg? Do you know all those things? Do you remember who gave you those things? Now, we all know they came from God. But Nebuchadnezzar saying, guys, let me put a little pressure on you. You are what you are because of me. And the world will do the same thing. Hey, students, let me tell you something. Students, hear me. If you want to be on the in crowd, you've got to play ball like us. Come on, boys. Come on, boys. If you want to be one of the good old boys, you've got to play ball like us. There will be peer pressure in the world. There will be pressure to be ungodly in the world. We're just going to have to choose if we're going to be godly or ungodly. We've got to choose what audience we're playing to. Are we playing for the audience in our neighborhood or at the high school or, or at your place of work? Or are you playing for the audience of one? Amen? Playing for the audience of one. There is peer pressure. But Nebuchadnezzar being... Benevolent gives them a second chance. Now, if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, and the lyre, and the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I've made, good! That'd be great. But boys, here's what you need to know. If you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. If you don't play ball with me, then I'm going to make it very painful for you. Does this not happen in high school? I, I see it. I see it when the kids are like, like five years old. Well, I don't want to be your friend anymore. I've seen cliques established in kindergarten where a child is excluded for whatever reason. It happens. And the world, Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't play ball with me, there's going to be a price to pay. And I want to tell you something. When you choose to follow God in this world, there will be a price to pay. Particularly 
in the society that we live in. 1950s, no problem. You know, divorce and all those different things, they were all just, they were all frowned upon by society. But not today. And society that we are living in, it will have a price attached when we choose to follow God. And then Nebuchadnezzar says something. He says, and who is the God who shall deliver you from my hands? I don't know. And this is so funny. You're talking about a political flip-flop. Hello. The one guy who, in chapter 2, verse 47, says, Praise be the God of Daniel, now says, And what God shall deliver you from my hand? The same guy. And the world will tell you there's a price. And God's not able, Betsy. God can't pull it off. God will let you down. God will fail you. God will not. God will not. God will not. God will not. They'll tell you that. And you've got to choose who you're going to believe, Brent. Who are we going to believe? In this crazy, mixed-up world that we live in, who are we going to believe? Well, the boys speak. And I put down, oh, we got it. We understood. We don't need a second chance. Listen to this. This is powerful. Remember, God's Word, historical fact, not a fairy tale. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They're saying this. King, we don't have to think about this one. King, we don't have to call a committee meeting on this one. We don't have to call a special business meeting on this one, King. King, the answer to us is so pure and so simple. And here's the answer. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And He will deliver us from your hand, O King. Our God is able. Thanks, Judy. That's, that, you know, that's a really good place for an amen. Our God is able. Our God is able to save marriages. Our God is able to redeem children. Our God is able to reach down and take a man in bondage to alcohol and set him free. Our God is able to take an addict of drugs and set him free. Our God is able to send revival into America. Our God is able to turn Harrisburg upside down. Our God is able to redeem the world if He so desires. Our God is able. Our God is able. Where, listen, where do we get the idea we've got to put limits on God? He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He, he has all knowledge. Our God is incredible. Believe that today. They had total confidence. Now, listen, this is huge. Total confidence in the power of God. Total confidence in the power. Now, 
See, we say that, and most of us, well, let's just run, let's just run a survey. Is there anyone here today that, based on your response, is going to be thrown to a fiery furnace? You're become a crispy critter. See, we're not, are we? And that's cool. These guys were. They understand fully that their answer is basically condemning them for a trip to the king's barbecue and they're the meat. But they said, don't care, O king, our God is able and he will deliver us. Now, don't think for a moment they're presuming upon God. They didn't know if God was A going to bring them through the fire, or B, take them home. But one way or another, after the furnace experience, they were going to be free from the power of the king. We've got to believe that. It may not happen like we want it to. But one way or another, we will be free from the power of sin, Satan, and hell. Incredible. Incredible. Now watch what they say. If not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, you got to get this. They had total confidence in the power of God and total surrender to the sovereignty of God. Now, this doesn't play well in America. If we're a land, let's just be honest. We're a land that we want God to make life easy for us. If we don't have a job, if he's a good God, he'll give us a job. If we're sick, if he's a good God, he'll heal us. Um, if, if we're in some kind of oppression, that good God will set us free. That's just kind of how we do it. We, we, sit, we pray and say, God, you know, the Bible says ask and you'll receive. So, God, I'm asking. It's, it's the Lord's Prayer thing. You know, where it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We twist it around. My will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven, or in heaven as it is in earth. We, we twist it around. We think God exists for us in American culture. If God doesn't perform, then we think somehow he's inadequate. He failed us. He let us down. God's God. Jesus getting them. God is God. God is sovereign. God will do what God will do to bring glory to His name. I had to pull my sermon notes out. When David was talking about, it's all about God getting the glory. My last statement this morning, my last point, is what, it's not that, that Nebuchadnezzar changed his tune. It was that God got the glory. God is in the glory and uh, the purpose and the business of glorifying His name. Well, Dwayne, that's not what I signed up for. Son, do you understand something? You were a totally depraved sinner on your way to hell. And God in His rich and great mercy, by the blood shed on old rugged cross, reached down, found you, you asked, forgave your sins. Forgave, come on, forgave your sins. And your eternal, listen, 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 your eternal home will no longer be hell. It will be heaven. 
and all the power of hell and all the huffing and puffing of Satan, he can huff and blow all he wants to, will not change that fact once you trust Jesus Christ as Savior and receive forgiveness. God is sovereign. Someone said, Dwayne, doesn't God want to be happy? Sometimes. Someone once said, he's more interested in your holiness than your happiness. But his supreme purpose is for you to bring glory to his name. And if healing you will bring glory to his name, but if letting you go through that trial, that fiery furnace, will bring glory to his name, you may find yourself in a fiery furnace. And that's what happens. I've got it entitled... You know, into the frying pan. Long story short, he gets a fit. He, he heats the, the, the furnace up. He ties up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he, the guys that were going to throw him in gets burned and get die. And they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. Would you agree with me that we're a people of faith? Would you agree with me we're people of faith? Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith. It it says there that without faith it's impossible to please God. Okay. My question is, do you have theoretical faith or tried faith? The only way that God could get the glory for tried faith is for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go into fire. The only way. A lot of us have theoretical faith. I believe in God. I trust God. And, and it's cool because your life is pretty good. But what are you going to do when it's not good? What are you going to do when the diagnosis comes? It's you that has cancer. What are you going to do when your child walks away from God and you haven't seen him for, for months and years? What are you going to do when, when your marriage just crumbles around you? You've got to have the bottom line that God is God and nothing that the world offers is going to change that. There's nothing that's going to come to my life. I am rock solid. God is my choice. Listen to 1 Peter. In this you rejoice greatly, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though be tested by fire, may be found in praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Can I challenge you? There'll probably be a message someday on this, but can I challenge you? Do a study of the Gospels and the epistles and the letters. See how much you find about a life, a nice, easy life versus suffering for the cause of Christ. And you're just going to discover there's a lot more of this than this. This, this health, wealth, easy believism that we cranked up is a Western creation. This is biblical. You will suffer for the cause of Christ if you choose to serve Him. Will it be worth it all? 
Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Trust Christ. And one day, you'll walk on streets of gold. Trust Christ, and you're going to a place where there'll be no more tears. Trust Christ, you're going to a place where there is no more death. Trust Christ, you're going to a place where we don't even need a building to worship because Christ is a temple. That's where you're headed. Here, there'll be some furnaces. Here, there'll be some trouble. But there's coming a day. Amen? There's coming a day, and it will be worth it all. Stay faithful to the cause of Christ. Don't bend, don't bow, and then you will not burn. You will not burn. So, like I told you earlier, Nebuchadnezzar looks in there and he sees something. Well, just listen to this. Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see... Four men, and the fourth man, according to Scripture, is like the Son of God. When you go into the furnace, you will never go alone. I'm not going to let them go. When you go in the furnace, you'll never go it alone. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And no matter what God calls you to in this life, whether it is the freshness of an oasis where there's springs, or whether it's a fiery furnace, Jesus Christ will be there with you. You can choose to walk by yourself. Or you can choose to let Him walk with you. He is the great shepherd. He is the good shepherd. I see four men... And the Bible says that they were loose, walking around in the midst of the fire. They're not hurt. How incredible, God. Now, if this is a fairy tale, we all give a polite... It's true! They went into the fire bound. But in the midst of the fire, with Jesus Christ, they are set free. And I'm telling you, there's a time it's not wrong to pray for a furnace. Because some of us need to go into the furnace to be set free. Some of us are so bound up in our religion, and so bound up in our traditions, and so bound up with our habits, and so bound up in this world, we need a cleansing of God. And sometimes that can only happen in a furnace. And would it be worth it all? Oh, I wish we had them here. Hey, Shadrach! Was it worth it? What was it like to be in the midst of a furnace seven times hotter than ever before, walking around with Jesus. Do you get a little bit of jealousy there? They didn't have to say, I remember the revival of 1932. They lived revival. And I'm telling you, if the church will get serious with God, if the church will once again say, God, you're my God no matter what, we won't talk about the revival of 1932. We'll talk about the revival of 2012 when God swept through Dorsville, when God swept through Harrisburg, when God swept through America with revival winds. But that will only happen. That will only happen when we say these words, if that's the case, O oh God, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us 
from your hand, O king. But if not, you need to know something. We're not going to bow. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to give. No matter who's elected president, no matter who controls the house, we are going to stand with God. That's it. Our decision today, our decision tomorrow, our decision next week, and our decision a decade from now is that we stand with God. Period. Period. He goes on and says this. They came out of the fire, verse 27. When the satraps and the perfects and the governor and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their robes were infected, and there was not smell of fire on them. The fire had no effect because of the power of God. It's true, yes, folks. The fire can have no effect unless God says so. God says so. There's a change of menu. The meat wouldn't cook. So Nebuchadnezzar canceled the barbecue. And here's what he said. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know why that happened? What would have happened? Would we be telling the story today if King Nebuchadnezzar said, Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to give you another chance, guys. When you hear the music, if you'll go ahead and bow down, we'll call today. And the three boys said, all right. Yeah, I don't lose my job. I, don't want, I, I want to be captain of the football team. I want to be the head cheerleader. I want to be supervisor at the company one day, and that won't go over well if I really do this Christian thing. Would we be having this story today? Uh-uh. We're having the story because three guys said no. 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 Through the furnace, God received the most glory. And David, you're absolutely right. That's what God's interested in. This church, I I say this every once in a while, and for you ten members, I'll, I'll tell you this. This church cannot exist for the comfort and benefit of its members. That's what they call Harrisburg Country Club. God did not, Jesus did not say that the gates of hell should not prevail against the Harrisburg Country Club. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A church that chooses to be able to go through the fire, to say no, to stay true, to not compromise, to not bend, is a church God is willing to. Now, can I say one more thing and then we'll call it today? When I said that, that doesn't mean that we're to be so stiff. I mean, we've got to be like Jesus. I mean, you know, it's too bad, Brent, that WWJD thing got overused. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? They made t-shirts, bracelets, ball caps. I suppose there's even a tattoo out there. It lost its power. When, when, when the Word says that, that we're to walk in His steps, there's power in that. What would Jesus do? I told, I was privileged to be interviewed by Channel 3 today. And I said, you know, 
He said, what's your motivation for what you've done? What's the church's motivation? You know, I told him, well, we really want to get an interview on Channel 3. We could use the publicity. You know, I told him, I said, we want to be like Jesus. I hope they don't cut it. We want to be like Jesus. And what Jesus does, we want to do. And I'm telling you, it will draw people to the cross. It will draw people to Christ when we walk like Jesus. You saw the video. There were like 15 things that popped up on the screen that would cause us to be afraid. But the bottom line is, be fearless. Be fearless. You may have to go through a furnace. Write it down. On June the 24th, 2012, Brother Wayne told me, I may have to go through a furnace. And you might. And that furnace, you may, listen, listen, you may die. I mean, when we go to Africa, is there any guarantees? When you go to Nicaragua, are there any guarantees, Brent? Are there any guarantees for Teresa right now in Jordan? No. Oh, there is. I'm sorry, there is a guarantee. I will be with you. That's a guarantee we can bank on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The meat that refused to burn. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? Guys, I'm telling you, please hear me today. These are days of Elijah. These are days of Elijah, of David, when we need to be obedient to the word of God. I know there are pastors who will get on television and promise you the moon. And I'm not going to be critical nor name names. But I'm just telling you, when we are willing to say God's my bottom line, no matter what, I may suffer, but he's my bottom line. It gets the attention of the world. When we're willing to love the unloving. When we're willing to reach out and touch the worst of sinners. It's actions that get attention of the world. So my invitation is twofold. First off, to those who follow Jesus Christ today. When we said that we believe God. I wrote my notes, really? Question mark. Is your faith theoretical or tried? None of us has gone through a fiery furnace. But look back and see how your faith tested out in the most difficult times of your life. Is your faith theoretical or tried? I challenge us starting today to live tried faith. It may involve a fire, but tried faith. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, perhaps you're here today as a guest, so I want to invite you to come. I want to tell you that what you're looking for is not religion. It's not a particular church or denomination. What you're really looking for is the man who can make a difference in your eternal soul. And that man is Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I invite you today to come. Brother Brent will be standing down front. This altar is open. If you find yourself in a furnace right now and we can pray with you, I, want, I would love to do that today.
you find yourself in a difficult time, there's power in prayer. We'd love to pray for you today. If you want to anchor your faith and say, God, by your grace, I'll be a man or woman who lives out tried faith and not theoretical, theoretical faith. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, oh, I pray today will be your day. God, thanks for this incredible story. Thank you for leading Daniel to record it. We have it today. And I thank you for the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Thank you for their courage as they faced a fiery furnace. And Father, may we be found as faithful as they. Jesus, may you always be our bottom line. We're going to serve you when you make sense and when you don't. We're going to serve you when you take us from the storm and deliver us from the storm or when we're in a boat and it's leaking. We're going to trust you. Father, there's someone here today who's never trusted your son, Jesus Christ. May today be that day. Speak to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.